It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. NFL strategy show and you've never seen one like this before 15 games set them up knock them down we got a lot to talk about today it's Thursday marathon matchup show to be exact but the good thing there are a number of games that we can just breeze through I'm Dave Lachran joined as always by Matt Savoka at draftaholic on Twitter follow me at Lafay underscore D L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D if you're not on Twitter yet for DFS it's a great place to be Stay away from the political side. It'll, it's just it's a disgusting wasteland. You don't want to be there. But for sports, it's pretty helpful, whether it's football, basketball, you name it. Anyway, 15 games to hit on. Matt, what's going on, brother? Hey, so happy to be here. Happy almost New Year. Happy holidays to you, Dave. We haven't been able to chop it up for a few weeks, so glad to be back in the saddle. And, uh, yeah, this uh, crazy, crazy weekend uh, I was doing some rough calculations here. 68 skill players listed as questionable. Four, 41 listed as doubtful or out. Uh, 230 total players across the league listed as questionable. So we have so many games, so many what-ifs here, so many playoff scenarios. But at least we have a bunch of these games really mattering with playoff implications. So there's, uh, there's some that we can breeze over, but a ton of really good stuff to dig into. Yeah, it's it's a great point. The The biggest part here is that we're going to need to hone in on, on a specific set of games. And that isn't to say that some games are going to have nothing, but some games are going to have nothing, at least in my <laughs> opinion. 
and uh, we're going to dive into it. Happy New Year to you as well, Matt, and to all of you guys checking out this show and sticking with us through all 17 weeks of the season. Hopefully 2021 brings us, uh, you know, better things than 2020 did. New Year's tonight, our New Year starts tomorrow, and, well, we've got an incredible promo going on. If you didn't hear about it yesterday on NBA shows or, or any of the NFL shows, I'll hit you with it now so we can get running and hit on all of these games in order 2021 is the promo code to get you 21 days, three full weeks of Awesome O Plus Platinum content for only $20. Three weeks, $20. Go look at the normal price. It's a massive discount as we head into the new year. You get everything on the site, ownership projections, player projections, the top stack tool, the boom bust tool, all of these tools built by the number one ranked player in the world, Alex Baker himself the lineup builder, the premium articles, just an incredible amount of information for even the most insatiable DFS player. Listen, if you haven't checked it out yet, go to awesomeo.com slash join, use the promo code 2021 and get your 21 days for only $20 for everything. Fantasy Cruncher isn't included, of course, because we just host that product. But uh, if you're looking to do, say, maybe a lot more long-term commitment, twenty or 20% off, everything awesome o plus platinum yearly pass as well if you use the promo code happy that'll get you 20 percent off everything on the site for the entire year using the promo code happy so three weeks for 20 dollars. use 2021 full annual 20 percent off everything on the site use the promo code happy if you have any questions you know where to find me my dms are open on twitter and of course subscribe if you haven't done so yet guys we're gonna get the 50k by the super bowl that's my new that that's the new standard matt we're i like close. that i like that we're close man i think we can do it if you like what we do here guys you want to help us out uh but more importantly the content helps you and it wanted to show it more up in the recommended feature, the browse feature. Know when we go live, hit that subscribe and the thumbs up if you're just walking in the door. All right, you ready to do this? Let's buckle in, guys. Get your coffee or whatever you're drinking on New Year's Eve and let's go through these 15. Let's roll. I got mine. We might need some Adderall too, Matt. Woo! All right. All right. Spiking it up. Let's do it. New York <laughs> Jets at New England. Fortunately, this is a game that I don't intend on spending much time with. Uh, the there's no playoff implications here. The Jets are already locked into the number two pick. And, um, well, Cam Newton's expected to start again. So really the only news, significant news that I have here is that Cam Newton, uh, Cam Newton expected to start. Damian Harris is questionable. We've seen Sonny Michelle get the start in two straight weeks. I've got to be honest. Look, I like to talk, Matt. That's why I host shows. But I just don't have a lot to talk about here. Yeah, I mean, when a quarterback really can't pass – on the New England side of the ball, and no offense to Cam Newton, because he once could. It just looks like that shoulder is completely shot. The The upside of the entire offense is limited. And I know there's been some love for Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird over the course of the season, but you know we're talking about a quarterback who we can't guarantee is going to throw for 150 yards. The upside of their skill players is just so low. And then when you count in the uh, uncertainty with the running back position, Damian Harris, questionable, as you said, uh, none of them are performing really above expectation on a per play basis. So there's just so little to get excited about. The Jets already blew the season by ruining their chances at the number one pick. And now they have nothing to play for. I'm sure they're going to get some sort of win that keeps some of the coaching staff in the building when they absolutely shouldn't or something like that. They'll find a way to screw it up even further. Uh, yeah, like you said, for DFS purposes, there really isn't a lot here. 
maybe we could go with um, Denzel Mims, who's outside the top 65 wide receivers. Uh, he's had some upside, but he really has underperformed based on expectation. Minus 2.1 fantasy points below expectation per game. Uh, but the Jets defense hasn't really been able to stop anyone on a consistent basis. But besides that, like you said, this is, a, this is an ugly one of the 15. That's why we're starting here and moving on to better things soon. Tyler, you got us under the wrong title, man. It's not under the matchup show. You got it under FanDuel. People are asking where it is. Do we need to cut this or what? Um, okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, Matt, again, I, I'm just not – there's 15 games. I'm not going to try – I'm not going to try and dig so deep into these games with super low totals and terrible offenses to try and find something unique when I can find something unique in so many of these good games. Um, Minnesota and Detroit, I think, has some interesting pieces. Dalvin Cook is out. Some terrible news happened with his family over the Oh, week. yeah. It's very sad. No playoff implications here, though. Detroit is has been out. Brutal team had a wide receivers coach coaching this team with Daryl Bevel out last week and things unraveled. They have essentially given up. Matthew Stafford is questionable. I'm listing him as doubtful personally. I just, I know the guy's a warrior. He's a champ, but I don't see any reason why he plays in this one. The Minnesota situation is interesting to me in the backfield, namely because Dalvin cook is out, but I don't know if you want to even bring Alexander Madison back at this point. He, he put in a limited practice yesterday, but he's been dealing with that concussion now for a little while. Um, if he's out alongside, along with Dalvin Cook, is it going to be Mike Boone? Is it Amir Abdullah against the Detroit team that has essentially given up? Yeah, and I mean, the Detroit team not only has given up, but they – I get to watch Justin Jefferson, who's really making a case for Offensive Rookie of the Year one more time before the season runs out. And I kind of hope that they just let Kirk Cousins throw the ball a bunch of, and these running backs don't even matter. One thing I do want to say about this crazy week is that Business decisions for football teams mean very different things in week 17. With playoff implications for so many teams, we're going to see them bringing their level best. But in games like this, especially where Dalvin Cook, for terrible family reasons, is out for this game, you know, we might see a little bit of preseason like football where they're, where they're playing backups a little more often. Maybe they're, Amir Abdullah might get work if he hasn't been hurt already this season. Um, but for my sake, I hope that we get to see a little bit more Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, especially the, with uh, Kyle Rudolph now placed on injured reserve. That passing offense is extremely consolidated. So I think there might be some goodness here, especially if you want to stack up Cousins with one of those two great wide receivers. Yeah, the total in this game is a 54, too. So we are expected to see quite a bit of points, right? Minnesota's still seven-point favorites. I, I look at this and see a game with zero implications, but one where the Vikings have a 30-and-a-half-point total. Right. So even if Dalvin Cook is out, like yes, I think they will lean on guys like Abdullah and Boone or, or whether – I don't know who it's going to be, Madison, but I like the passing game as well. I, I'm with you. Now, am I huge on it? Not necessarily because we know they want to run the football as much as they can if they get up early, sure. But you do have a team that has Thielen and Jefferson, two guys that have broken many slates just this year alone and ended up in Millie Maker winners 
Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins may not be a stud, Matt, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting spot. No doubt about it. You are going to have to pay, though, because both of those guys are on DraftKings. They're 7,400 plus. Irv Smith coming off that monster game. Kyle Rudolph's on the IR, uh, and he had, what, six for 53 and two touchdowns last week out. Mm-hmm. So I, there are ways to attack this. On the Detroit side, uh, I, I have some more reservations here. And if DeAndre Swift's ownership is going to be where it is currently, which is the second highest owned player on the slate, and to be fair, ownership doesn't mean as much on a 15-gamer as it does on these smaller slates. Like 19% isn't that insane. Uh, there are just a few other running backs at a similar price point that, that I might be targeting here. Yeah, I completely agree. And this isn't necessarily the only way to look at ownership projections, but if we're seeing a 19% projected ownership, ask yourself, do a thought experiment. Does DeAndre Swift really have a 19 or 20% chance of outperforming his running back 12 salary on the slate? That's 6,400 on DraftKings. Does he really have a 20% chance of hitting 18 points if Matthew Stafford is less than 100% or not even playing? My answer, my quick answer is definitely not. Even though I love DeAndre Swift as a talent, we've said this before on previous shows that we're going to be looking at him uh, in season-long leagues in 21, but uh, it's not very appealing today or this week. I, I just don't see it. Really, the entire Detroit offense is one that I'm only really looking to as a runback option in the receiving game if I'm playing a Minnesota stack who's fourth in our top stack tool. And other than that, maybe Marvin Jones in the passing game. But like you said, I just... Sure, play DeAndre Swift if you feel like he fits salary-wise or if you're basing around this game as a whole. But I probably am moving off. I'm going to be lower than the field if that's the where the ownership stays this weekend. Yeah, I, I would say the, here's how I look at this. And, and I've mentioned it many times throughout the week on these strategy shows. The onslaught approach could be more viable this week than it has been in the past. We saw last week the – you know, Hopkins, or sorry, uh, Watson, David Johnson, Brandon Cooks, and then like T. Higgins coming back. We've seen a lot of Bills onslaughts on those smaller abbreviated slates. Mm-hmm. I think you have to be careful doing one of those lineups on a 15-gamer. There's no doubt about that. But I could see this no doubt being a game where Minnesota wins, you know, 47 nothing, uh, or 47-7, just as Tampa Bay blew the doors off this Detroit team last week. That, to me, would be no surprise. Do you have anything else from this one? Yeah, uh, only to add to your strategy point there to say that I think if you have two games in this big slate that you really, really love, especially in big tournaments, base your whole lineup around there, maybe one game, uh, one player from a game outside of it. I love that idea. Uh, just consolidating the slate in your head for one lineup is a great idea. Yeah, that's really it for this game, too. All right, let's talk Miami and Buffalo. This game does have some pretty significant implications, Matt. Uh, mostly Miami looking to get into the playoffs. I'm pulling for him. Big Flores guy. I wish Fitzpatrick was starting, but that won't be the case. He already stated right after last week's game that Tua would be back under center. But really, the the – the Bills are dealing with some injuries, and we can get to them in a minute. Let's start with the Dolphins, though. Uh, they've got a strong defense, but their offense has been good enough at times. They're going to be without Jakeem Grant. Uh, Devontae Parker remains questionable again. Is Miles Gaskin someone here that, that, that should be considered, especially given that he's pretty much the same price as DeAndre Swift? Yeah, absolutely. I really like Miles Gaskin. He really pops in one of my favorite running back opportunity metrics. Said it many times before on this show, if you've watched 
quality opportunities per game. He's in the top five running backs in that metric. And he's only 5,300. Yes, I get it. It's the Miami Dolphins. They don't have an explosive offense. And especially with Tua Tagovailoa at the helm, they don't finish drives at a league average rate, but they find a way to win. And uh, like you said, I would be all over this team if Fitzpatrick was starting. Actually, you saw in my data deep dive, over the last eight weeks, if you look at uh, expected points added per per play, that's an advanced metric that just adds up the value of every play a quarterback makes, no quarterback is higher in expected points added per play than Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's just been, you know, he's having the Fitz magic part of his season, and I wish we got more of it. So Miles Gaston is definitely someone I like. They are going to mix Salvin Ahmed in. And like you said, the receiving core is just such a mess here. I'm probably staying away, especially with Tua slated to start. All right. So uh, I don't want anything to do really with this Miami offense either. The Buffalo. Sorry. That's fair. That's yeah. That's awesome. Outside of outside of Miles Gaskin. So I like Gaskin. I just don't have much interest in the passing game. Uh, but I will say for the for the Buffalo side, it, it, it appears as if Cole Beasley is not going to play this week. Uh, he's being considered by McDermott as week to week. Usually that's not a good sign. John Brown gets activated from the IR and then they decide or not decide. Then he gets placed on the COVID-19 list. So I don't know if he is going to play. They're dealing with a couple banged up bodies here that introduces Gabriel Davis not only into the offense where he's already been and been somewhat somewhat decent, but now as really the number two receiver on this team behind Stefan Diggs, he's $3,600 on a 15-game slate when you're dealing with presumably two guys being out. I don't know for a fact if John Brown's going to be out, but even if he plays um, – well, I guess we could talk about you know what what slot work these guys are going to get. Do you think Gabriel Davis right now is viable? Yeah, absolutely, and especially a pivot off of Stephon Diggs, who looks like the third highest own or projected own wide receiver in the Osmo projections uh, ownership projections right now. And his his projection looks good, even though he's the fifth highest salary wide receiver. If you're leveraging off of that high ownership and that solid expectation for Diggs, I think you have to look at Gabriel Davis. I think I also heard that Kenny Stills is likely to sign with them. Uh, Maybe I'm just thinking in 2017, but I do actually think that Kenny Stills, if he has anything left in the tank, uh, would be a solid add for that offense. He's not on the DraftKings slate, so we don't have to worry about it from that perspective. But Gabriel Davis has been okay in terms of his expected fantasy points. He's at 48th among wide receivers on the slate, and he's performed right around expectations. So, uh, the Miami defense has actually been pretty strong against secondary wide receivers, but I like it as a game theory play when we know so much attention is going to Stephon Diggs. Yeah, so do I. Diggs has been spectacular, though, man. Leads the league in yards and receptions and targets. I mean, it's so crazy how good he has been with Josh Allen. What yeah. are your thoughts? This is this is really the big question here because I'm assuming – when it, when it all comes down to it, we, we like to take some of the tools that we have at Awesomeo and kind of apply that to our process and, and our conversation on these shows. Buffalo has a 14.6% top stack probability. Quarterback ownership right now at 5.7%. Of course, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are expensive, but uh, that top stack probability is very high for a 15-game slate. They're not really getting a ton of ownership right now, and I think some of that might have to do, excuse me, with Miami being a good defense. 
Does that appeal to you, though, seeing, all right, this team's offense offense has been virtually automatic, and people are apparently shying away from them a little bit? Yeah, if we have any sort of hesitation on ownership when we have a top stack probability of number one in the league and we know where the ball's going, you know, the, we don't have to overthink Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. We don't have to overthink Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Let's not overthink Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. So I'm absolutely with you. If we have any sort of hesitation or even just owning both Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs on a lineup makes you a little bit unique, I'm all over that. Again, from a game theory perspective. And yeah, what else could you say about Stephon Diggs this year? I mean, I feel like a lot of us who have been following Stephon Diggs' career have been sort of wanting this year to happen for him for several years. And I encourage you guys to just find wide receivers like this that you just, you know, they're going to hit that elite tier of wide receivers. So you want to catch that wave. And he certainly caught it this year. Uh, hats off to him. He knew he was, how valuable he was, and he found a great, a great spot to play. Okay. Um, anything else from this one? Uh, I don't really like the running game here. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, the Bills are clearly not devoted to either of them. So not really. Just the passing game if you're going to play the Bills. Okay. Let's talk about the uh, Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals. Here you go. This is one where Baltimore has a 90% chance to make the playoffs, Matt. Uh, there's there's really no reason they shouldn't be in. Um Tyler Boyd and Higgins on the other side are questionable, but it's really the only news I have for this one. You've got J.K. Dobbins, who has played or who has seen set, uh, double-digit carries in seven of his last eight games, but he isn't seeing that monster workhorse-like um, opportunity because, well, he has a quarterback that's the best rusher in the league at his position, and Gus Edwards has also been involved. We'll start with Baltimore here. Big-time favorites laying 13 on the road. Only a 44-point total. Most, most of that speaks to Cincinnati's extraordinarily low implied total. What are we doing with Baltimore? Well, I certainly love Lamar Jackson at a spot, especially because the Bengals have really, really struggled. If you look at fantasy points allowed over opponent expectation or opponent averages, they are terrible against running backs and rushers in general. So, of course, for Baltimore, we include Lamar Jackson as having a very positive matchup on the ground. And I was looking at PFF net advantages. It looks like the Ravens have the highest net pass blocking advantage of any team on the entire slate. So he should have time to throw. Uh, not to mention, if he does choose to tuck it and run, he's probably one of the most dangerous players we've seen in the last decade with the ball. Lamar Jackson's considered to have a down year after his MVP season, and it really doesn't show in the metrics. He's still six in expected fantasy points. He's scoring three more fantasy points over expected per game. And I think his price is completely justifiable as essentially the number one high salary quarterback since Patrick Mahomes isn't playing. I'm completely fine playing him naked in any sort of tournament or small field. And I don't mind stacking, especially with Mark Andrews, third in target share among all players over the last two weeks. Yeah. Uh, would you say he's a priority? I haven't looked at how I'm going to stack out quarterback because I do love to play tournaments where I stack up and I don't love stacking Ravens, but boy, it's going to be hard to get away from him. And I don't mind the price at all at 8K. Do you have anything from Cincinnati assuming Boyd and Higgins are active? Yeah, I think Higgins looks like the better value. I know there's only a few hundred dollars in salary difference, but it looks like over the last few weeks, Higgins has really emerged. So I'm, I'm going there first and foremost. Uh, he's outside the top 40 in salary. He's, uh, excuse me, fourth. Yeah, 4,700. And 
in terms of fantasy points scored over expectation, he's in the top 30 wide receiver. So I see a little bit of value there. Um, I know Boyd's been injured and, and there's some uncertainty there. So if, if they say he's going to be a full go, maybe there's some value there. But I definitely prefer Higgins if you're going to play anybody. Okay. Guys, by the way, we had to switch streams. We had the wrong title up there. Uh, my apologies to all of you if you jumped in late. If you missed it, Happy New Year's to everybody. Hope you have a wonderful one. Of course, we still have plenty to go in this show, but just repeating what was said earlier. Um, and hit that thumbs up and subscribe to the channel if you haven't. We're trying to get to 50K by, uh, by the Super Bowl. I think we can do it. I, I honestly think this is doable. Uh, but anything, if, if, if you missed anything, in that first 10 minutes, the most important thing is check out the promo code that we're running over at awesome.com. It's 21 days for $20, everything on the site, or use the promo code happy to get 20% off everything for the entire year of awesome. plus platinum annual. So $21, 21 days for $20 using the promo code 2021 or happy to get 20% off the entire year. Uh, I won't go into it too much further because some of you have already heard it, but uh, just keep in mind, it's everything on the site. And if you have any questions, you can DM me at uh, Lafayette underscore D. All right. Uh, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, Matt. Another one where Cleveland has a good shot of, of getting into the postseason. There's no reason they shouldn't, right? You got 17 teams making the playoffs. Seven teams, sorry, making the playoffs. Only one bye uh, in, each, in each conference. Pittsburgh's resting big uh, Ben Roethlisberger. And Mike Tomlin, from what I'm hearing, he said, we're going to go in there, try and win a football game. He said one or two other players might rest. Have we gotten word on who that is yet? Well, yeah, they said that Big Ben is definitely going to rest. But I no, don't I know believe ben is, yeah. but he was speaking yeah. after that news. I don't believe Mike Tomlin. I don't believe a word he says. Okay. So <laughs> I, I, it could be the entire offense. He could literally start every player except for Big Ben at this point. Um, no, I don't think we've gotten the exact word. I apologize there. Uh, for who he means that he's going to not play. I assume TJ Watt might be in that conversation if you can keep him off the field. Uh, I saw an analytics breakdown of him, and there is no question he should be the defensive player of the year. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure what Tomlin means when he says that right now. Me neither. Do, I, I, I do know what I mean, though, when I say I have no interest in this Pittsburgh Steelers team. This Oh, week. of course not. Oh, gosh. We already saw this experience last year with basically the same lineup. No need to play it unless you're in super large field tournaments. If you think that they somehow keep pace with a team in the Browns that absolutely needs this game to make it to the playoffs, uh, more power to you. I, in, again, in larger fields, I think it's an okay choice. You saw Deontay Johnson have some success with Rudolph, but for the most part, it's a stay away option for me. All right. On the other side of this one, Cleveland must win situation. They are closing their practice facility again, Matt. Uh, more more COVID-19 issues, but they are anticipating getting all of those wide receivers who were out last week back. Uh, I've never seen so many, you know, two and three tight end sets in a football game than I did with this Cleveland team last week. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus ultimately though pittsburgh is still a solid defense and we don't necessarily know what's going on with their deep they, they lost you know losing dupree losing several pieces definitely knocked them down a rung on the hierarchy of defenses this year I still think Cleveland wins. They're still nine and a half point favorites. You know, all of these things are pretty beneficial, but still they have a 26.25 implied total. I guess, I guess I could be looking to like a Chubb or a Kareem Hunt, maybe, maybe someone like Landry in the passing game, but with 15 games, it's still a divisional game to me. They still, these, these teams still play hard. They're still usually lower scoring. I just, I don't have a lot from Cleveland either. Maybe you can change my mind. Yeah, and I think they kind of galaxy brained last week's loss too. Did Baker Mayfield, I think he saw that, was that he threw it over fifty times. What are they doing? Just if you're going to run that many two tight end, three tight end sets, run the ball against the Jets. I'm sorry, uh, especially as someone who played sure. too much Nick Chubb last week. <laughs> and there, yeah, I, I don't understand why Jarvis Landry is priced inside the top fifteen wide receivers as if this is a blow up matchup for the the offense here on Cleveland side of the ball. The Pittsburgh defense, as you said, is still one of the top-tier defenses in the NFL. In expected points allowed per drive, they're still number one, and they're in the top five in expected points allowed per play as well. So, yes, I I like Nick Chubb, certainly as a player, but as third highest salary running back for a team that gives up uh, three points, almost four points below opponent averages on a per-game basis, that's tough to play here. I, I actually like Kareem Hunt a little bit more at the 18th highest running back, but I looked at the Osmo projections this morning, and we definitely defer there. Uh, they're not bullish at all. Uh, that's probably respect to the, the step-out front line of the Steelers. So that's pretty much it for you on this one, then? I think, you know, I think Cleveland still wins. I still want to say that as I sort of badmouth the entire offense here. I still <laughs> think they pull this out and especially since uh, the Steelers aren't playing for anything, but it doesn't look that appealing when you consider the strength of the Pittsburgh defense. I'll tell you what, nine and a half points is a lot of points. You know, that that's a lot of points, but these I'm telling you, Matt, you know, this you're a Steelers guy, right? You're a Steelers fan. Oh, yeah. My girlfriend's from Pittsburgh. So I'm adopted in a little bit. Okay. You, you right. can't well, not be. <laughs> well, you're a football fan and these, you know, these AFC North rivalries, you know, outside of it being I'm talking about when it's actually a good team against a good team, they are competitive, competitive games. And oftentimes they are not shootouts either. I know we've seen a couple of them this year. Just recently, Baltimore against Cleveland was an ins- absurd shootout. But I, I just don't see any way that happens here because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're the Steelers and you manage to keep this close, it's not going to be with your offense. There's just no way that's going to happen. I can't believe after everything I saw last season with Roethlisberger going down in week two and seeing what they had to do at the, at the, the quarterback position, I just simply don't see any way 
that Mason Rudolph is going to drive this football team down the field. I, I don't see it happening, despite how many good pass catches they have. They have an, a completely anemic run game as well. So I think Cleveland does enough to win this game, but I don't disagree that you know they are – put it this way. They are known to disappoint <laughs> throughout the years. That is certainly true. And I saw that 4-for-4's four 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 TJ Hernandez put out a great Twitter thread. I think it was in the last two days here where he was talking about win and in football teams in week 17 actually performing slightly below their implied total, whereas for the most part, on average, teams perform just slightly above their implied total. Might be noise, but a really interesting tidbit that that goes along with what you were saying there. Cleveland might win, but they might also disappoint compared to their implied biggest total. Sure, sure. I'm okay with that approach. Let's talk about Dallas and the New York Giants. Another game where... I was I was preparing the show and I'm thinking, okay, no playoff implications. And I thought to myself, wait a second, this is such a bad division that if Dallas wins and Washington loses, and Washington plays Sunday night against the Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys could be in the postseason. I think that's it, right? Don't they just need to win and Washington loses? I've got your playoff scenarios right here. I I got you. I believe that's right. Yeah. The Cowboys clinch with a win plus a Washington loss. That's right. right. That's all. That's it. And you know what? I wouldn't be shocked to see Doug Peterson's dumbass decide that, hey, we want to win this game, right? Let's win this game and knock ourselves out of a top 10, a top eight draft spot. If he does this, I swear you're never going to see me again, Matt. I'm done. I'm done with sports. I'm writing them off for the rest <laughs> of my life. If they go out and win this football game, right, they win this game. Not only are they getting Dallas into the postseason, assuming Dallas beats the Giants, but they're losing the potential to have a top five pick. They blow it anyway. Howie Roseman will find a way to screw it up. But uh, I said enough. You know how I feel. Living up to the Philly sports pessimist name right now. (laughs) Yeah, right. They can't win this game. The Eagles cannot win this game, and I'm sure they will. But anyway, Andy Dalton had a monster tournament-winning type performance last week. 377 passing yards, three touchdowns, just a colossal effort against, you guessed it, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Jalen Hurts, not Jalen Hurts, sorry, Michael Gallup had a huge game as well. Just, what was it, Michael Jaquette? I think they just targeted, picked on all game long. And Amari Cooper had a couple big plays, went over the 100-yard mark for what feels like the 19th time against the Eagles in the past three years. So ultimately, what are we doing with Dallas against a better New York Giants defense? I don't know if the Giants want to play for anything, but is was last week more of a flash in the pan to you, or do you think that this is something that can you know hold a little bit of momentum going into Week 17? Well, this is certainly what the Cowboys thought about when they paid so much money to bring on Andy Dalton in this break glass scenario that happened this year where Dak Prescott went down for the year. And I got to hand it to Andy Dalton, not just last week. In the last eight weeks, he now ranks ninth among quarterbacks and expected fantasy points per game. Matt, I'm, perform- so- Matt I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One second. Someone mentioned something in the chat. It's very important. I- yeah. If the Giants win and Washington loses, the Giants are in as well. That is just unbelievable. So this is going to be a competitive game. This is absolutely going to be a competitive game. And uh, hey, the Cowboys are not built on their defensive prowess. So if you think that this game gets wacky because both teams really want to play and neither defense can really show up, then this might be an unexpected shootout, especially with an implied total. Right now, I have it south of 45 points. So I think the over probability 
is a little bit higher here than we might think. Of course, this could turn into one of those disgusting NFC East slugfests that's like 17-13 with three minutes left. But uh, I digress. Back to Andy Dalton. He has really overperformed my expectations. And as you said, actually, Michael Gallup has led the team in my favorite opportunity metric for wide receivers, true weighted opportunity share. So, of course, Amari Cooper is still priced higher at 20, uh, 23rd among wide receivers. But Gallup is actually outside the top 50 and much lower priced than C.D. Lamb even. I don't know if this is a flash in the pan. He's already up to 32nd in expected fantasy points per game. So I might just bet on the opportunity here, knowing it's a must-win game. Uh, and I don't think, based on the opportunity we've seen here, Lamb is necessarily a value at 30th among wide receivers. So I'm going with Cooper and Gallup, sort of like you mentioned. And uh, with Tony Pollard coming on in the running game, I'm kind of staying away from that whole situation. So uh, I realize they're 19th on our top stack tool. I don't mind a Dalton Amari or a Dalton Gallup stack really at all. It's not. Yeah, I, I don't hate it either. I, I think this get, this is a tough game to predict. Both teams could make the playoffs. They shouldn't because, you know, the draft pick gets way worse and none of them have a shot. But someone's got to win the division. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's not the Eagles, but this game's going to be fun because I don't really care how bad your records are. It's going to be a fun game to watch because you're watching two bad teams battle for a playoff spot that's ultimately going to hurt their future. But from a DFS standpoint, you're right about Gallup. And, and you think about it, there is no real alpha number one receiver on this team with Andy Dalton under center anymore. There's, there's not. Uh, we saw Dalton pick on the Eagles' weaknesses last week, and, and Gallup just so happened to be covered by Jaquette. I think uh, I, I was I, – not I think, but I was, I was pissed at myself for not having as much Gallup last week at 4,100. And I think at 5K, he's totally fine as well. Amari Cooper, 5,800. Both are just very talented receivers. They may not have the best quarterback, but Gallup – or sorry, uh, but it, it's, not like, uh, it's not like Andy Dalton is one of these terrible Ben DiNucci-type uh, – backups he was a legitimate starter for years right. albeit not a top one but still a starter so uh the giant side of the ball you've got sterling Shepard, evan ingram golden tate all questionable i don't know which one of them is going to play but i want to start with the with the run game actually because dallas has been decimated in the run game their defense improved last week against philly and they've looked a little bit better but is Wayne Gallman to you viable at 5,300 in what, like what you said, could just be kind of a slugfest on the ground, doesn't really shoot out? I have players in that price range, especially at the running back position, that I like more than Gallman, but he's fine. I saw that the Osmo projection is really right in line with his salary-based expectations. And this Dallas defense has actually improved a little bit over the last five weeks. They now rank right at league average in fantasy points allowed over or under opponent average, uh, 13th in the league, which is something we did not see at the beginning of the year. I still think you're looking at a subpar rush defense, and it's one that we've been picking on. So Gallman in that sense is fine. But I, I just have been fine leaving the Giants offense alone because there are almost always, always higher upside offenses, you know, besides that two-touchdown Alfred Morris game randomly, you know, I don't think we're looking for a diamond in the rough here. Is he okay? Yes. Do I need to play him? Not really at all. And, and get this. The Giants right now, out of the playoffs, have the eighth pick in the draft if the season were to end today. But if they win, they're in the playoffs. Absolutely insane. I know. And 
there are a lot of people that don't understand. Not, I shouldn't say don't understand, but just don't know that if you make the playoffs, the best draft pick you can get is the lowest team or the, the lowest team to make the playoffs. So mm-hmm. if, if you, if you, if you're a wild card team and you win the Super Bowl, you have the 32nd pick. Uh, you could have the eighth worst record in the league, make the playoffs in a terrible division, and the best pick you can get is, what is it, 18th or 19th now because right. you have additional teams in the playoffs. That's a big difference for sure, especially for three teams that aren't making any noise in the playoffs to begin with. If they do, I'll come back here and, and say I stand corrected. But uh, I don't want anything from the Giants either. Now, as we move on, we're down six, got a handful to go. Pretty big handful. The Tampa and Atlanta game is one that is strange to me for a couple of reasons. Because, first of all, the the, the Bucks are six-and-a-half-point favorites. You have a 50-point total here. We saw Tom Brady sit out the second half of last game. They just routed the Detroit Lions on Saturday night football. I'm not convinced that Brady's going to play a ton here. They're, they're locked into the playoffs. They can't win their division. They can't get a bye. I suppose maybe they can jockey for for better positioning if if they end up getting into the conference finals and 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 have a home field maybe, but but yeah. I, I don't know that I, I don't see many reasons that Tampa or Bruce Arians should be risking his players' health in a meaningless game. But here we are at six and a half point favorites. What do you make of that? If Brady plays. They're a high upside offense. Now the Falcons defense has been better this season over. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. For all than they have been in much of the last few previous seasons. But we're still not looking at a top tier defense at all. I I agree with you. They really don't have much to play for. Uh, But right now, assuming that Brady is in, just looking at the defensive matchup, Brady looks like a buy in terms of his salary-based expectations. His projection looks really good. The Falcons have struggled against opposing quarterbacks. They actually ranked dead last in the league over the last five weeks in fantasy points allowed over opponent average. Uh, in my expected projection metric, which just looks at the player's expected fantasy points and that previously mentioned defensive metric, Tom Brady comes out as a top two quarterback on the slate. So I see some upside there. As we've said for many weeks, we don't really know where that ball is going right now, especially with Evans, Godwin, and Antonio Brown all healthy. Uh, but I don't mind Tom Brady at all, assuming we're going to get at least three quarters of him. Uh, I think there's a blowout possibility for sure here. Me too. But I'll say on the other side, 
Matt Ryan at his price point is interesting as well. Uh, just one thing to point out, Ronald Jones is still questionable. Leonard Fournette is questionable. You know, you had Ronald Jones with the finger injury. Uh, he was also on the COVID-19 list. There's a, a number of, of issues here dealing with this backfield in Tampa Bay. Leonard Fournette has that abdominal, abdominal injury. <sighs> like, do they play this week? This is something we have to pay close attention to, whether or not they're getting full reps in and practice, because if not, uh, will it be LaShawn McCoy? Will it be Keyshawn Vaughn? Is it a situation to avoid entirely? I don't know, Matt. And, and, and maybe because we have so many games, this is probably one where I'm not sure I'm even going to take the risk. Yeah, and that's exactly what I thought about as you were saying that, is I'm looking for situations that I can scratch off my list. With 15 games on the slate, I want to see how I can narrow down situations. And if we hear any sort of rumbling about them resting players, I might just take the safe approach and just say, that's not for me this weekend. I'll go to better spots with more on the line. Okay. Um Atlanta, I, I, you're right. There could certainly be a blowout brewing here. I don't know what Arians is going to do with the offense, and that's always the concern with Week 17 slate. But Matt Ryan's $5,900 on DraftKings. Russell Gage is $5,100. You know, Hunter, Hayden Hurst is $3,700, and Calvin Ridley's expensive. But assuming Julio Jones sits, and at this point there's absolutely no reason he should play. He didn't he play. He should not. Yeah, he didn't play last week. Right. He didn't practice yesterday. So I'm just assuming he's inactive here. This is still a very discounted price point on Matt Ryan, just given the, his proneness to chuck the football, right? Like he's had some pretty bad games, but he's attempted 39 plus passes in three of his last five, 30 plus, five plus in four of his last five. And if they do go behind early, he might just be forced to throw the football a lot. So he is cheap. He does have a pretty high top stack probability in uh, our top stack to a fourth highest, but only uh, 2% ownership right now, which is one of the lowest. And that's exactly what I was going to say. It's exactly what I noticed when I was looking at this game. Yes, there's a blowout probability, but there also is a possibility that both teams just kind of keep pace in one of those NFC South late season shootouts that we've seen many over the years. And Calvin Ridley has 60 more air yards than the next highest wide receiver over the last two weeks. So when you talk about just the volume of plays, volume of passes and air yards in this offense compared to the rest of the league, there's absolutely upside there. And I certainly don't mind Ryan at low ownership stacked with his top receiver in Ridley. I'll have some Russell Gage. I think he's absolutely viable outside the top 30 wide receivers in salary. But in terms of fantasy point or expected fantasy points and fantasy points scored above or below expectation, Gage really does not pop off the page. So you're really just playing the matchup and uh, using leverage off of Ridley. Ridley is the much more exciting option in this passing offense. And uh, I don't mind. Uh, is Hayden Hurst? Yeah, Hayden Hurst is okay as the 18th highest salary. Uh, the Osmo projection says. He's in the top 10, so he's just one of those unexciting, I need a touchdown tight ends. But especially if I'm playing Ryan, I think betting on Hurst is absolutely fine as well. Yeah, look, he has five five targets and a, and a touchdown in each of his last two games. You can do worse than that at a, at a tight end position. Uh, or sorry, in a game that could end up being pretty high scoring. You're right. He's, he's, not, he's uninspiring, <laughs> right? He doesn't have a 20 fantasy point game this season. But he does have, what, four or five, six, seven, eight, seven or eight games in the double digits, which might be enough at a cheap price point. 
Uh, we'll we'll get to Kittle and a couple other guys shortly, but I think Hayden Hurst and Stacks is perfectly reasonable. Green Bay at Chicago. Green Bay here is so. If you look at the playoff scenario here, the the Green Bay Packers they made the playoffs, they won the division, they have a seventy nine percent chance of getting that first round by. The only other team that is in contention there is the New New Orleans Saints at sixteen percent. So the Packers. This is actually a big game for them, Matt. You get a first-round bye, and only one team gets that bye, you're in business. That makes a huge difference. They already have home field advantage in you know, the, the frozen tundra and out at Lambeau Field. I'm looking at this as one where the Packers are five-and-a-half-point favorites. They get the win, but I'm telling you right now, this game is going to be close. It's going to be competitive. Mitch Trubisky, David Montgomery, these guys are playing good football right now. At Soldier Field, I think in a divisional game to close out the season, you're going to get a close game. And, you know, do with that as you will. But the Bears have a 63% chance, according to 538.com, of making the playoffs as well. Meaningful game for both teams. Absolutely. And I do think that there's a possibility that Aaron Rodgers, smug as he is, tries to make a statement. If the Packers really are for real, they do want to win this game and win it handily to kind of give them not only a bye week, but to sort of put that intimidation factor into the rest of the NFC. I don't think I love Rodgers right now based on his salary-based expectations, but I completely agree on the game flow here. Uh, Got to give credit to the Chicago Bears. I thought they were one of the most fraudulent teams when they were winning a bunch early in the season, and then they started losing a ton of games with Foles under center. But now they really look like a quality football team. So I agree with you. I think the most likely outcome for this game is a close playoff-style matchup because these are two playoff teams. I, I do want to say one thing. The Seahawks have an outside chance of getting that number one seed if the Packers lose and the Saints lose. So there is a third team in the mix there. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, the Packers, 4, 4% chance. Sorry, you're right. Yeah. I missed that one. Uh, just because it was straightforward in that sense, I wanted to add it on for the for the viewers there. But sure. I I don't love anyone in this matchup more than Devontae Adams. And, <laughs> I mean, just an awesome performance in the snow in Week 16. That was just some – just it was unguardable, completely unguardable last week. And certainly going to see really high ownership. Right now he's projected for over 17, nearly 18% ownership on the main slate. But that's for good reason. There really isn't a connection like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And I know we said Stephon Diggs is sort of sort of reaching that level. But in terms of floor and ceiling, I think Adams is really unparalleled on any slate he plays on. And so I'm always fine playing him, especially in a game that matters this much. Uh, more so than the running game because they certainly don't care about Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams has actually out-touched him in the last two weeks. So that's more of a stay away. Adams well, all last the week was, was A.J. Dillon. Right, right. Especially when the game got out of hand, they let A.J. Dillon just take over, and he, he kind of looked good. Um, you know, that Derrick Henry lookalike, you know, happened for at least one play there on that rumble. That By the way, play. you guys heard me talk about the Dynasty League I lost because I needed one more, one more yard from uh, Aaron Jones. The guy who runs <sighs> my league just calls me, and he goes, you need to call me right now. And I'm like, I can't. Is everything okay? He sends me a... a, 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 a screenshot of MFL in my fantasy leagues who sent him the official scoring because, you know, whenever you have a tie, you got to be careful about that. Deontay Johnson was stat corrected minus one yard. And I ended up getting the win, Matt. Oh, shut up. 
Yo, I congratulations. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. Stat. He got stat corrected from 75 to 74 yards. It's crazy. I, I've never heard of that on a crazy. one yard stack correction. Congratulations. And this league, this league doesn't do fractional scoring, right? So, which is dumb, and we're changing that. He's going to change that next year. Good. So it gets rounded up. If you have 75, that gives you eight points, right? If you have 74, it gives you seven. So if it went from 78 to 77, it wouldn't have made a difference. It went from 75 to 74. That's unreal. Unreal. I know. He already paid out, though. This guy's my buddy that, that, that I was going up against, so I'm going to tell him we'll split the difference because, you know, that's a, that's a shitty feeling. Yeah, that's, that's a great play. Good man. Anything else for Green Bay you like? Because I'm with you. I, I don't. I, Aaron Jones right now, I just I can't get. I can't do it. With, whether it's A.J. Dillon or Jamal Williams, they know their backfield is going to work regardless. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm really not doing the running, the running backs dance here. I, I want to bet on safer running backs. Uh, than the Green Bay Packers backfield. Robert Tunyon still has a salary inside the top five tight ends. And that's really hard when you're betting on a player who needs touchdowns. Yes, he's had a tremendous season from a touchdown standpoint. And in my opinion, was snubbed from the Pro Bowl roster. But, um, you know, you could do worse than Tunyon at 1.1% expected ownership, even though the salary is really high. Yep. Whenever Tunyon's popular, I generally try and stay away from him because he's so touchdown dependent. But yeah, if he's coming in at no ownership, maybe you get that two touchdown game. Of course, he did go five straight weeks with a touchdown, Matt. Anything's possible. Chicago and, and the Bears. Sorry, there. One last thing: the Bears have been abysmal against opposing tight ends. They rank 29th in the league, giving up almost three points per game more than opponent averages. So they could pick on him. That is good to know. Allen Robinson is a stud. His price continues to increase, though, and I think justifiably so. Mitchell Trubisky has actually been playing decent enough football lately, right? You've had some pretty solid games from them. They're winning. They beat Jacksonville. They blew them out. They beat Minnesota. They blew out Houston. They somehow lost to Detroit. But when they needed to win games, they've gone on a three-game tear. Fortunately, scheduling has been uh, pretty gratuitous to them. But uh, David Montgomery has been the story here. He's, he's getting monster workloads. He's now seen 55 carries over his last two games, Matt. And the only reason he's not getting targeted a lot is because they don't need to. If they're playing from behind, I anticipate David Montgomery being the primary pass catching back again, as we've seen since Terry Cohen went down. He's expensive, and that's a conversation we need to have. But he has been good, and the volume has been there, and he's pretty much getting all of the work out of the backfield over the past several weeks. You said it. I don't think he's the best player, the best skilled position player. That certainly goes to Allen Robinson. And I'm never going to fault anyone for saying I'm playing more Robinson than Montgomery. But if you look at expected fantasy points, which is my favorite usage metric for running backs, he's third in the league in expected fantasy points over the last eight weeks. And he's still fourth in running back salary. So I'm completely fine playing him even before I look at the projections, which have him right in line with salary-based expectations. And I look at the fact that the Green Bay Packers are 27th in the league in fantasy points allowed over opponent averages to running backs over the last five weeks. I have absolutely no problem with David Montgomery's high salary. I know it's less appealing than when he was in the mid 5K range like he was before he had this tear of a late season, but I'm still completely fine with it, especially when we have less players with that guaranteed workload with Dalvin Cook not on the, not on the slate this weekend. I want safety at the running back position, and Montgomery completely fits that bill. Completely fine going there. 
Yep. Um, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I will have some. And I think it's reasonable to do so, especially given Green Bay's you know, per- primary weakness defensively has been that ground game. The problem is they haven't been exposed as much in certain games like last week because they they essentially sold out to stop Derrick Henry. It was it was an impressive game plan. You have to hand it to them. They really did. But a lot of times they're just up by so many points that teams abandon the run anyway. <laughs> not not a uh, not Tennessee. Not they're, Tennessee. They're running on first and second down, down by twenty five. <laughs> so. It is what it is. I'll take it as a Derrick Henry owner and someone that has some interest in him this week. But first, we've got to talk about New Orleans and Carolina. Uh, as we stated in the last game, Matt, the New Orleans Saints, they're into the playoffs. Of course, they won their division. They have the second best odds to win to get that second round or to get that first round by. Uh, I, I would be shocked if the Packers don't get it, but we have to mention it anyway. They're going up against a Carolina team that has been better, I think, defensively than many of us would have anticipated coming into the year with all that turnover and so many young defensive players, rookie defensive players. But New Orleans probably comes in here and beats them up pretty good. What are you doing with with the Saints and, you know, particularly Alvin Kamara coming off that six-touchdown performance on Christmas Day? Yeah, if you survived that Kamara Geddon, whatever you want to call it, and won your <laughs> fantasy championship, hats That's off. That's good. You. I hadn't heard that yet. I like that. I certainly didn't make it up. Thanks, Twitter. Uh, I, it, yeah, it, it still was an incredibly impressive performance, even if you just take the unbelievable touchdown luck outside of it. He still had 26 expected fantasy points, which in terms of workload was the most valuable of any running back on last week's slate. So I'm completely fine with his running back to overall salary with Drew Brees back in the lineup, and in my opinion, with very limited arm strength at this point in the season, I love Kamara as that favorite dump-off option. And everybody else in the Saints' offense is considered auxiliary at this point. Now, Drew Brees actually doesn't pop really in the expected fantasy points metrics that I thought he would since I thought he was playing pretty well since he returned to the lineup. But sure enough, the advanced metrics like expected points added per play and true drive success rate, some of the things I look at the, at the data deep dive, shows him as a top 12 quarterback, basically right where he's been for years and years over the last eight weeks. Again, that's a smaller sample size for him because he was injured for some of that time. But I was surprised to see that the Osimo projection really isn't in on anyone, including Breeze, except for as the aforementioned Kamara. So uh, I think I like Breeze in this matchup where there's a lot to play for, a little bit more against this young Carolina Panthers defense. Uh, like you said, they have improved a little bit. They're about league average uh, in most defensive metrics in the last five weeks. But still, I see the Saints winning this game handily, and we know where the ball is going when they're on offense. So that's always a situation to take advantage of. So would you say any top options from the Saints? Well, of course, it's Kamara. It's easy, it's easy to say it's Kamara. But I also think that Latavius Murray is a fine leverage play outside the top 24 running backs on the slate. At 5,500, you do have full-time starters in that price range, like a Miles Gaskin. But I don't think that 
Sean Payton is particularly loyal to Kamara at the goal line just because he got all those reps last week. Uh, it, it's obvious that that's where most people are going to go. So the larger field tournaments get more and more creative there. Emmanuel Sanders at his wide receiver 32 salary projections right in line with expectation. I don't hate it. I don't love it. He's fine at 5,200. On the opposite side, Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater, Robbie Anderson, who is questionable to play. Uh, he didn't practice with this groin injury. Listen, if he doesn't practice to, today, I, I, I don't know. The concern here is week 17, what are they playing for? If Robbie Anderson ends up being out, uh, does DJ Moore appeal to you at 5,700 despite the difficult matchup? And what are you doing with the passing game for Carolina? We'll talk about all of the uh, injuries in the backfield after that. Yeah, well, I, I, first of all, I've got to say that I'm a little bit disappointed. And I know I, I tend to discount a quarterback's first year in the system, but I think Teddy Bridgewater is holding back this Carolina offense. We've seen Curtis Samuel emerge. DJ Moore is going to end up with basically the same amount of yards he had last year. And if you look at my opportunity metrics that I look at from the data deep dive, DJ Moore has actually been the number one wide receiver over the last eight weeks, just ahead of Robbie Anderson. So I have no problem at all when he's 5,800 outside the top 20 wide receivers on the slate. Uh, I do think that the, the game will be competitive, most likely. And the Saints have actually struggled against number one wideouts over the last five weeks. They ranked 20th in the league in fantasy points allowed over opponent average. So yeah, Moore is actually one of the players that, I, that stood out to me, especially if you think this game is an NFC South-style shootout like it could be. All right. So the backfield. Huh. Yeah, this Christian, one. Yeah, it's tough, dude. Christian McCaffrey's out. Mike Davis is doubtful to play. I'm tired of how, Mike, how Matt Rule is do, going about this every week, too. Like, just, you know, you're hopeful – you're pessimistic. They're questionable. They're doubtful. The guy knows. Come on, man. He knows. <laughs> he said the same thing with McCaffrey, like 15 of, of 17 weeks this season. Just say he's out. It's so crazy. But, yeah, Mike Davis, I have no reason to uh, believe that he's going to play. That leaves us with Rodney Smith, Matt. That leaves us with Trenton Cannon. I don't know. Rodney Smith a, a few weeks ago actually saw a decent amount of opportunities He's he's had seven, eight, seven carries in some of these games since he began getting worked in in week 10. I, my assumption is that he's going to get the majority of work, but I don't know what the majority of work means, especially against the Saints team. I mean, I just don't think I want to get here. I think I'd rather just bet on Curtis Samuel. If I feel like I want to get really creative in a large field tournament, sure, of a running back who's probably going to get seven to nine touches, in the Carolina offense against the Saints in a comeback situation could theoretically score multiple times. But that's really what we're betting on. I think Curtis Samuel with his hybrid role is definitely going to get backfield looks, but also he gets the added air yards of being a third wide receiver, maybe second if Robbie Anderson doesn't play. So I think that's the that's the option I'm going for if you want a backfield option here. That's just not the type of running back I want to play a, a 4K running back that maybe gets 10 touches if I'm lucky. Yeah. And against the Saints, no less, and a game that could get away from them pretty quickly. Anything else here? Yeah, that's about it. Not touching Ian Thomas. All right. Yeah, no, please no. <laughs> Don't talk to me about Ian Thomas. We can, we can talk about the Indianapolis Colts, who are monster favorites at home against the Jaguars. 14-point favorites, 49-and-a-half-point total. 
in this one, their implied total, by the way, is exceptionally high. 31.75, second highest on the entire slate. Yeah, that leads you to Jonathan Taylor. It leads you to T.Y. Hilton. But we got to start with Taylor because while he is expensive, his workload has seen uh, a significant increase recently. I think in a game like this, you could get an easy 20-plus carries for Jonathan Taylor. My only concern is they go up super early and Naeem Hines and, and, uh, and, and Jordan Wilkins start getting opportunities, which would be concerning to me if they're just trying to rest Taylor for the postseason. Yep, that's exactly how I saw it when I first looked at this game. The gut reaction, of course, is, man, Jonathan Taylor is in a smash spot. And and for people who bet on him early in the season in season-long leagues or dynasty leagues, you've got to be thrilled with not only the workload. You know, now he's inside the top six running backs and expected fantasy points per game over the last eight weeks. But we're seeing him break tackles at among the league's best rates over that same span. He's almost four points per game over expectation. That's top 10 in the league. And, and, you know, he's really turned his season around. He's had a really high quality rookie year after a rickety start that, you know, he got plenty of opportunity with that Marlon Mack injury, but he disappointed until about week 10 when he really turned on the burners. Like you said, I think there are two situations where Naheem Hines gets extra work. And that's if this game gets unexpectedly close late, expect Rivers to have the ball on his hands more and we could see more pass passing uh, reception attempts for Hines. But also, if this game gets out of hand, exactly like you said, I think they're going to rest Taylor. That doesn't mean he couldn't score multiple times before he rests, but it does just lower the floor a little bit. Uh, It's one of those situations where I'm still going to have plenty of him. I think he's a value as the seventh highest running back on the slate, but it's not something where I absolutely need to be with the field because there's 17 and a half uh, percentage projected ownership. That's really high. It is very high. Um, but it's an interesting game just because they could blow the doors off Jacksonville quite quickly and handily, which is what I see potentially being the case. I wouldn't even be surprised to see, you know, we talk about the running back wide receiver with no quarterback pairing winning tournaments. If it happened, if Hilton and, and Jonathan Taylor happened to be in the same winning lineups, that would not shock me at all. What are your thoughts on T.Y. Hilton? Uh, coming into this game after finally beginning to put the pieces together late in the season when it didn't matter for most people and many had already written him off. Uh, The the only thing I I will throw out there just to add to this quickly is while he has definitely been better, he's been a lot more efficient and outside of that game against Houston, his volume hasn't really increased significantly. He's still seen seven or fewer targets in, you know, four of his last five games, but T.I. Helton has been better and uh, you got to give him that. Absolutely. And yeah, that's a great point. The Colts have not changed their passing game identity at all. They still spread it out among the leagues or spread it out as a passing offense more than most teams in the league. I think they're still in the bottom five in terms of pass consolidation. That's something I look at the data deep dive. But still, you have Hilton ranked outside the top 25 in terms of salary of 5,500 on DraftKings and a player who's really just top 20 now in expected fantasy points per game. So just from that standpoint, he looks like a value. Then when you factor in the fact that he's facing a matchup where the Jaguars are 30th in the league in fantasy points allowed over opponent averages, things really, really line up for Hilton in this spot. And I was actually surprised to see Phillip Rivers is only 6.5% owned. Now, that's very high for quarterbacks on this slate, but still a Phillip Rivers stack, I think he looks 
like a very interesting value as the 15th highest salary quarterback as well. Hilton and Rivers is going to be one of the stacks I target for sure. Okay. Is there anyone else? Maybe Zach Pascal, anybody else that stands out to you? I still think I, I have some hope for Michael Pittman. I know he had a few larger games in the mid part of the season and has performed at or below expectation for most of the later part of the year. But that's really the only place I'm going to go. I, I still think there's some value there. He's outside the top 45 wide receivers in salary, but that's more for large field tournaments. All right. On the opposite side, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're really in, 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 in bad shape in the backfield, but it may present some opportunity. And I'll, I'll just tell you why. James Robinson is out. But Dare Ogunboale saw 14 carries last week in a game that they lost by 27 points. Or was it 24 points? I don't know. They lost by a lot of points, right? Three-plus scores never was competitive. Mm-hmm. He's also their primary pass-catching back with, with James Robinson out. That, to me, says that even if they get smoked, Doug Marone is just going to continue to run out Dare or, or whoever it is, but I assume it will be him. And last week, he played 71% of the snaps. I actually don't think it's the craziest idea to have some shares of him at $500 north of minimum salary, assuming he's going to be on the field most of the time and get all of the running back opportunities, not to mention also that they're going to be down probably a, a lot of wide receivers as well. DJ Shark, I don't think, is going to end up playing in this game. And uh, it looks kind of ugly there. Yeah. I, hey, 71% snap share and 88% of the rushing attempts for Dario Gunbowale. I originally wrote down that Divina Zigbo was going to mix in, but that doesn't really look like the case. And of course, don't forget about their third string running back, the pride of Kutztown College, Craig Reynolds. No, I'm Kutztown PA? Yeah. There oh, you go. How about uh, that? I had a, clo- a bunch of close friends that went there. Hey, there you go. I didn't even know the, uh, the connection there. But Neither did like, I. You, <laughs> like you said, I was surprised that maybe they're just uh, our one running back team. We know this coaching staff is most likely out the door at the end of the year. So they're just handing it off to their first string running back and not getting creative at all. If that's the case, like you said, at a near minimum salary, even in a terrible matchup, you don't mind it at all. He could stumble into the end zone. So, yeah, a little bit of Dario Ngunbawale, especially if his ownership stays where it is projected right now, under 1.5% owned. I'm assuming that's going to go up a little bit more as the week goes on, but it's certainly not going to be a popular play. And touches are valuable. It's that simple at the running back position sometimes. Alex still has James Robinson in at like 3%. So I think we just Uh, need to get our our next updated uh, ownership run, and then we're we're fine. Gotcha. Uh, Actually, hold on. They, They were updated an hour ago. Let me see. Just curious here. James Robinson is not in. So Dari is coming up around 6%, which makes more sense. Okay. That does make a lot more sense. It's still but not even that then, high, though. Yeah. Look, he's $4,500. If the guy has, maybe these are lofty expectations, but if he's targeted seven times and has six receptions, that's a touchdown's worth of, of points right there. He had 19 total looks last game, and they got blown out. So... I, I'm willing to always take a look at volume, even if you're not in a great spot. We're not saying go crazy here, but we are saying if you make 20 lineups for a tournament, if you put them in two, you're over the field. That's all right. we're saying. Great point. Yeah, exactly. And 
he could not score and still have like 17, 18 fantasy points, which might get you there. We've seen it happen a lot with these cheaper backs. Tennessee and Houston. Have you seen a total on this game, Matt? Is it going crazy? Wow. Is it 50, over 56? 56 and a half points right now. <sighs> yeah. 56 and a half. Tennessee, seven and a half point favorites, a 32 point implied total, the highest on the slate. But what makes this game so great is that the Texans still have a total up around 25. And we can start with, with Tennessee. I, I know that at Osimo and a lot of the, the professional players out there are very much opposed to running out an expensive Derrick Henry on most weeks. Well, you know what? Call me crazy, but I love Derrick Henry this week. I, I truly could see a 200-yard, three-touchdown game in the cards for him. It sucks that he doesn't catch passes. That would have really come in handy against Green Bay on Sunday night football. But, man, against this Houston team, 32-point implied total, a Houston run defense that has essentially been as bad as the Dallas Cowboys. Think about that. Almost as bad as the Dallas Cowboys defense this season. There's just so much I like here. Uh, 100 and – hold on, Matt. 152 yards per game on the ground Houston's allowing this season. (laughs) I'm getting – you guys don't have to agree with me, but I'm getting the Derrick Henry even at his price point. How can you not? I understand that the the fish play element of it all, but when you look at my favorite defensive metric for fantasy scoring, fantasy points allowed over opponent average, Houston is allowing over a touchdown more in fantasy scoring per game to running backs than their opponent than their averages. So if you combine that number with Derrick Henry's expected fantasy points, you get by far the number one running back on the slate. His his warts on his profile is that he doesn't catch passes. But as we already joked about earlier in the show, the Titans don't even care about the score. They get the yeah. ball to Derrick Henry no matter what. Uh, an adjusted rush rate, that's an advanced stat on Osimo.com. They're third in the league. Adjusted pace, they're fast. They're ranked fourth in the league. So that's plenty of plays and plenty of times they give it to Derrick Henry no matter what the score is. The Houston defense, in my opinion, is the worst rush defense in the league. I, I'm going to be one of those fish playing Derrick Henry this weekend. That It's that simple. <laughs> Me too. And I don't feel too badly about it. Maybe I'll get some Dario Ogunbowale and, and Derrick Henry, you know, even exactly. It out a little bit. I'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. 9,400. He might just, he might end the careers of, of this Houston defense. So I'm on board. I, I also look the, the problem with their, their passing game. And I've really liked Tannehill this season just because on the weeks where everyone is on Henry and he's chalk, Tannehill has proven that he can have some big games. I mean, even last week against Green Bay, ugly game, but you saw what he can do with his legs too, right? 55 rushing yards and a score. He had two rushing touchdowns the week before that. Uh, you know, what does he have? Four or five on this, five rushing touchdowns on the season. Tannehill does have that upside, but his price is, is, is getting up there. And that's the only concern. AJ Brown is $7,200. He's questionable. Didn't practice yesterday. I don't know what's going on with him. And Corey Davis did not catch a single pass. I had such a stellar showdown lineup. It was looking like it was going places, Matt. Equinemius St. Brown, AJ Dillon, uh, Devontae Adams, captain. Everything looked great. Corey Davis, zero fantasy points on two targets. I expect a bit of a bounce back here. There's simply no way he's going catchless in back-to-back games, especially someone that already has five 100-yard games on the season. 
yeah, he's had a he's had a great season, and I'm really mad at him too because I had a dynasty championship where I actually had a chance to beat a team that had Kamara and Mike Evans blow up, and I still had a you chance. You had Davis. With, I had Davis, and oh. it completely, completely ruined it. Brutal. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. They have been resting A.J. Brown on Wednesdays, so that might be just the a, a whole nothing there. But I agree here. You have to look at Ryan Tannehill's usage and the pace, not just the pace of play, but how often they're passing and see if it compares at all to the salary-based expectation. Ryan Tannehill needs to be absurdly efficient as a passer or a rusher in order to pay off at the eighth-highest quarterback salary on the main slate. If you look at expected fantasy points, which isn't exact, isn't as helpful for quarterbacks as it is for skill position players, he's still 21st among quarterbacks. Yes, he's been performing well above that, meaning he is an efficient player, but it's tough to bet on here. Um, I'm not going to have none of him. They, he's seventh on the Osmo top stack probability tool. So there's certainly talent in AJ Brown and Corey Davis that could take advantage of a terrible Houston defense that is not just bad on the ground. But like you said, the the quarterback eight salary is just kind of the, the thing that really gets me in trouble here. I don't think he has the usage unless he scores multiple touchdowns for it to pay off. Okay. Do you have anything else for Tennessee or is it mostly Derrick Henry and probably some sprinkles of passing stacks? Happy, for, uh, happy to play Jonu Smith. Uh, again, this is something I've said before on shows. One of my weak spots is not playing tight ends. We don't have a huge amount of usage but continue to score touchdowns over and over. If you look at touchdowns scored per game, not a sticky stat in terms of it's sticking from week to week, but Johnny Smith keeps scoring, never find, uh, never, never a problem playing a tight end that just keeps scoring touchdowns. The Tennessee Titans defense hasn't exactly been stellar though. You know, they, they win some games and they win them usually on the back of Derrick Henry and, and really Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown, but at 10 and five tied with the Colts for the, for the the lead in the division, they have still had some brutal games defensively. And you look at it, they've allowed on the year, they're allowing the, the fifth most passing yards per game. They're, they got carved apart on the ground and through the air by green Bay. Now, if you want to say, well, it was, it was snowing, it was freezing cold. It was green Bay. That happens to a lot of teams. You know, fine. I'm willing to at least entertain that, but they're they're allowing five yards per attempt. Or sorry, that let me let me pull this up, Matt. I was on offense. It's like that doesn't seem right. Uh, that's but their team is so. Uh, where is it? I can't find it now. But I know that uh, just all in all, their defense has struggled in a lot of different areas. And oh, here it is. Here it is. Passing touchdowns. They've allowed thirty three passing touchdowns on the year. That is as many as the Jaguars and fewer than only the uh, Detroit Lions. So only one team has allowed more passing touchdowns on the season than this Tennessee Titans squad, which has made them so good for game stacks. Yeah, that's exactly what I was seeing too. And, and again, sound like a broken record, but fantasy points allowed over opponent average is through the roof against Tennessee defenses this year, especially for wide receivers. So that means that Kiki Kuti or Chad Hansen could once again be values uh, with Kuti outside or excuse me, just inside the top 30 wide receivers in salary at 5,400. Hansen at 4,400 keeps performing above expectation. That's probably due to Watson's play. But like you said, against this defense, I think that Houston could absolutely keep pace or at the, at the very least create a game environment that's great for fantasy scoring. 
I also think that Deshaun Watson is the third highest QB in salary is a great play. He's got rushing upside and expected fantasy points. It's right in line with salary based expectations. And uh, as expected, when a team can't stop wide receivers, quarterbacks are also having a field day against Tennessee. So I like that play. Me too. I like a lot here. What about David Johnson's price point? He's coming in at $6,800 on DraftKings now. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit higher than I would like to see. Uh, he's not a priority play, but I don't hate it at all. You know, it was nice to see him perform above expectations, just like have an old school David Johnson game for once, but it's not something that I need to, not somewhere I need to go. All right. Anything else? That's really it. Moving on. All right, so let's talk about the Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Normally, you'd look at this game and say, oh, look, good rematch. This went to, remember, it went to overtime earlier in the season. Uh, Herbert and, and, and the Chargers had a legitimate shot of winning this game. And, of course, as they do in typical Chargers fashion, they lost by one possession. That's just what they do. They're, they're spectacular at it. They've mastered <laughs> that craft. But now you got Chad Henney starting for Kansas City which leaves them at Arrowhead Stadium coming in as three-and-a-half-point dogs to the Chargers and only a 44-point total. So I say all of that, Matt, just to, to point out that this game could have been a lot better if there were real implications on the line. But the Chiefs have a 20-point implied total. The Chargers have a 23.75 implied total. There's not a ton here, but we can start with the Chargers because if we're going to find anything good, it'll be from this, this side of the football. Yeah, and I think, like you said, they they actually showed up pretty strong. I think that was Justin Herbert's first start or second start, and he really played well early in the season against this Chiefs defense. But we're talking about a, a quarterback who's fifth in salary, 7,400 on DraftKings, and I think that is going to keep people away from Justin Herbert in terms of expected ownership. So there is some some game theory elements that I like, but I like the ground game a little bit more. I still love Austin Eckler, even though they still moving away from him at the goal line in quality opportunities. That's targets and goal line carries. Austin Eckler has been one of the best players in the entire league or best running backs. I should say in that statistics. And he also shows up in expected fantasy points. He's eighth in the league. So I, I think I would like Eckler a little bit more if he had a little bit lower of a salary, but I, uh, I worry that this game total just stays really low and that lowers the ceiling of all of these players, including Herbert, Keenan Allen, and Austin Eckler. Um, so it's not my favorite spot, especially with the salaries so high, but I don't fault anyone for going with a typical Herbert Allen stack or even with Mike Williams because I, I do think they're going to show up and I do think they'll score points in this game. Has Eckler's usage not seen a little bit strange to you lately? It is a little bit. I... I I have more concern than the stats show uh, on the surface there. Maybe he's not 100%. You know that they don't have much to play for, and I do think he's in their long-term plans. Uh, maybe a little biased because he is one of my favorite players in the league, and he does pop in some of my favorite metrics, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I just I don't know. I've been watching the games, and I know his snap count seems pretty consistent with what we've seen, but it just seems like he's not, you know, seven combined targets over the last three or last two games. 23 touch, 23 carries. You know, he's had 13 and, and 17 overall looks, which are okay, but this pray I'm a little bit I'm a little bit scared here. I just don't know if we're gonna see that in week 17, that big game when they have so many guys that they can use out of the backfield. I get it though, Matt. I, I do. I understand why, you know, if you're taking a shot on someone, you know, Austin Eckler is just so talented and they're they're favored. 
and Kansas City sitting a lot of players. I, I, I get it for sure. But uh, I just, I don't know, the Chargers, the Chargers concern me a little bit. On, on, the, on the Kansas City side, no Tyree Kill, no Travis I don't have to, we don't have to list them all. They're, all their good players are out. What are you doing with the Chiefs? I'm probably staying away. I actually was surprised to see that the Osmo projections kind of like Chad Henney compared to his salary-based expectations. Uh, we obviously don't have a ton of stats on him. We're really basically saying this is an Andy Reid play and that he's going to have this team basically prepared enough to keep pace with the Chargers here. And the Chargers have not been special against quarterbacks this year, ranking 26th in the league in fantasy points allowed over opponent averages. But obviously, this is not a priority play. Travis Kelsey is incredibly tough to pay up for as the highest tight end in salary on the main slate. Obviously, the talent's still there. But if we don't know if, if Hill or Kelsey is going to get a full snap share, Le'Veon Bell's done nothing but disappoint in the backfield. You're a stronger person than I if you go to this Kansas City offense in week 17 with nothing to play for. What about Daryl Williams? uh, It's sort of like what we were saying with the Jaguars backfield. If we do hear rumblings as we head into Sunday that they're basically going to rest people, but one running back is expect, you know, Rappaport and Schefter sometimes have these tweets at 10 a.m. on on Sunday morning where they're expected to just see 30 touches or, or the main backfield workload. I guess maybe it's it's not something that's super exciting, but the Chargers have been right in line with league averages and fantasy points allowed over opponent averages to running back. So it doesn't it doesn't stand out unless you think the uh, excuse me the Chiefs are going to score points here. Sure, a running back that gets plenty of touches could fall into the end zone. If Rappaport tweets that at ten a.m., I suggest you run in the opposite direction. <laughs> that's a good point. Las Vegas and Denver. This game's got a pretty high total, and a lot of that is because this this Vegas defense has been dreadful, Matt. I mean, they have been beat to hell. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites, though, against the Broncos. 51-point total. This is kind of an intriguing game. First of all, the Raiders' point totals that they've allowed recently are, are, are just magnificent. 26 to Miami, 30 to the Chargers, 44 to the Colts, 28 to the Jets, 43 to Atlanta, 35 to Kansas City. They have just given up huge, huge point totals recently. And I think if there's ever an opportunity for, you know, Drew Locke to come in saying his job's probably not here next year and just chuck it, which he's been doing 47 pass attempts last game. Maybe there's something there. The big question is, who do you who does he throw the ball to? Is it, outside of Noah Fant, it's been pretty difficult to figure out who it's going to be. KJ Hamler might not play this week, but uh, more than anything, do you think there's some some viability to getting to Drew Locke in a game with a 50 plus point total? Uh, no, <laughs> there's not a huge priority there in large field tournaments. I'm completely fine playing a stack with. Drew Locke and Noah Fant or even Tim Patrick or Jerry Judy, if you're really kind of get, trying to get crazy here. Locke's projection is right in line with salary-based expectations, but we have players in his salary range at 5K who we believe can perform well above salary-based expectations. I saw a stat that said Jerry Judy has the most unrealized air yards in the league this year. That's air yards that are thrown to him minus the air yards based from completions. So basically, he's getting open plenty. Drew Locke just can't get in the ball. And that's really what I think is the problem with this Denver offense. Not only is Cortland Sutton out for the year, and they've had problems since there, so since that point, 
But Drew Locke just isn't an accurate quarterback at this point. He's actually 11 in expected fantasy points per game. And not surprisingly, he ranks outside the top 25 in fantasy points scored below expectation. So that's a player who I see is just plainly inefficient. You're basically playing the value game if you want to play him in your lineup this week. 5K for a quarterback is fine if you want to pay up for players like Derek Henry. How about Melvin Gordon with Philip Lindsay on the IR? Yes, that is a player I'll absolutely go go to. In the data deep dive this week, I actually talked about Melvin Gordon. From an elusiveness standpoint, he absolutely is the same player that we saw in San Diego and Los Angeles in the early parts of his career. And what's funny is that he actually had a year, his rookie season, where he was elusive but did not score touchdowns. And because of the nature of the Denver offense just being basically inept, that's sort of what we're seeing this year as well. He's outside the top 25 running backs and expected fantasy points per game. But again, from an efficiency standpoint, he stands out. He ranks 13th in the NFL in fantasy points scored over expectation. So he's not my favorite, especially when I see that he's going to be 14% owned. But I completely get it based on salary. He's sort of in that Miles Gaskin range in, in the mid-5500 range. So I like Melvin Gordon most out of this Denver offense. Okay. Yeah, me too. I think it's a strong spot. Last week, I was, I was underweight on Melvin Gordon this week. Uh, I anticipate having quite a bit of him against this Raiders defense. They get banged up no matter whether it's on the ground, through the air. I expect someone from D- Denver to score. And Melvin Gordon's the one that should have been getting all the, the carries recently, even before Lindsey went down, far more efficient than Lindsey, who was averaging like 2.3 yards per attempt since week nine. You just can't have that. And you know, not fortunately, but it's a good thing that Melvin Gordon, not fortunate that, that Philip Lindsay got hurt, but it's a good thing that Melvin Gordon's got the backfield to himself to close out the year. What are you doing with the, the Raiders on the other side, Matt? Well, I'm certainly prioritizing Darren Waller, third in the league in air yards over the last two weeks. He's not slowing down at all to end the season. And, you know, I'm sure it's been said many times, but he's just completely transformed into one of the most exciting players at that position. Derek Carr has no problem going to, to him seemingly every single passing play. And I actually like Derek Carr this week at 5,100 in salary, 21st among active quarterbacks. And, you know, he does have an expected ownership around 6%, might be a little bit higher since I don't have that latest rerun in my notes here. But if I'm going anywhere to begin, it's Carr Waller stacks because Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, I should say, hasn't exactly had that same workload that we expected at the beginning of the year or we saw at the beginning of the year. And he's still really priced up for matchup. He's ninth among running backs in salary. Uh, the Osmo projections are not bullish on him this week like they are for Waller and Carr. Anything else? Hey, Nelson Aguilar, am I allowed to say his name around oh, you? Because God. he keeps, he keeps sure, overperforming. Go ahead, because since week 10, he has the second most drops in the league. How about that? That's my last well, one silver lining to keep me sane after seeing him pop off last week for another huge game. Yeah, and it was like it was a little poetic, too, where he had that huge touchdown. But then, of course, the Raiders' defense completely blows it on that insane throw by Fitzpatrick. I uh, love that guy. I love him. That's one of the coolest completions of the whole year. Did you see the still shot of him with his face being grabbed all the way back? I, I, I don't know if he throws that ball if the, if the defender isn't ripping his face mask because he knows if he throws it like that, he gets the call. Yep. That he moved to begin with, but he completed it. It's unbelievable. It was spectacular. Uh, everyone should appreciate what Ryan Fitzpatrick has done for the game of football. All right, two to go, Matt. 
And I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of time or need a whole lot of time to spend on this next one. Appreciate all you guys hanging with us throughout this long marathon of a show. It's 15 games. It's the final matchup show of the season. You're going to see us for the playoffs, six games next week. I can't wait for that. We're going to be doing a ton, strategy shows, deeper dives, live before locks, all of that stuff. So we're not going anywhere. This show will just be going into hibernation until September of 2021. Arizona, and by the way, hit that thumbs up, subscribe if you haven't done so yet. Again, for those of you guys that jumped in late, we're trying to get to 50K by the Super Bowl. I think it's very, very possible. And, uh, well, if that's the case, we're doing some big stuff, big giveaways, awesome stuff. But more than anything else, uh, subscribe because you like the show. If you do like it, if you like the the host, the analyst, and you think we've helped you, hit that subscribe. Join the family here at Awesomeo. All right, Arizona and the L.A. Rams Cardinals three-point favorites, 40-and-a-half-point total. It looks like Murray's going to play. Got a full practice in uh, yesterday. But on the other side, we know that Jared Goff is out. That means that we're getting John Walford. This this is ugly. Cam Akers might actually play. If he does, I love him. I don't care if his ankle hurts. I love Cam Akers with Daryl Henderson out, but I don't think he's going to play. I could could cover this game just in, in a few seconds, Matt. Cooper Cup's not expected to be activated um, for the for, from the COVID-19 list. So I want nothing to do with the passing game there. And, uh, well, DeAndre Hopkins has the hip injury. So for me, it's Akers if he plays. I will be taking shots at 6,100. Daryl Henderson's on the IR. Akers was the clear go-to bell cow back for two weeks before the injury, three weeks as a matter of fact. Uh, and then Kyler Murray needs a win. Let's start there. Does Kyler Murray, if he plays, does he – is he going to be able to poke some holes in this quality Rams defense? Yeah, I don't love it on first glance here, knowing that he's injured, knowing that he gets so many of his, his fantasy upside comes from using his legs. I'm concerned about Kyler Murray just as a plain pocket passer, not necessarily about getting a win because I don't think I have any faith whatsoever in the Rams offense keeping pace. But I don't think this lines up as a fantastic matchup against the Rams defense that ranks number one in fantasy points allowed under opponent expectation or opponent averages over the last five weeks. So there's a lot of things not playing in Kyler Murray's favor, although it is a win and end situation. Uh, and they do have the, uh, the war of attrition battles right now are definitely going on the Arizona Cardinals side. You know, sometimes this happens in football where there's a team like the Rams who probably should be a playoff team, but because of injuries, because of timing of injuries, They just may not have enough in the tank to get over the hump here. Hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're laughing about that next week. But right now, I still see Kyler Murray as a decent floor play more than a ceiling play. So bottom line is, I think there are players in his price range this week that I like a lot more, unless that ownership stays really, really low, like it was at the beginning of the week. I'm sure it's a little higher now with that rerun of ownership projections. But at the beginning of the week, he was coming in at 0.5% ownership. And this is a player who's still fifth in fantasy points per game. So at that, at that place, I'm going to absolutely have some of him. But like you said, they're dealing with injuries. Hopkins is absolutely not 100%. Neither is uh, Chase Edmonds or Kenyon Drake. There's just not a ton to like against their quality Rams defense here, even if we think they're going to win. This might be a stay-away offense for DFS purposes. Hopkins is going to play, though. Like, he has yeah. to play. You know, I, I feel like you might get some heroics from DeAndre Hopkins where he just toughs it out and has a monster game and gets them into the postseason. It's pure narrative, pure speculation, but 
at 7,900, I might have a little bit more interest in him uh, than you do just because he is still one of the preeminent wide receivers in the league and they absolutely need a win here. But you're right. Murray's banged up. Hopkins is banged up. It could just be a stay away spot. And maybe I don't need to go crazy looking at a Hopkins at low ownership when there are so many other quality options in similar spots. Uh, For the Rams, like I said, Matt, my only thing here, and I I know a lot of people would say, why would you want anything to do with with the Rams? Well, with Walford at at quarterback, with Cup out, and Kyler Murray injured, and the Rams having a good defense to hopefully, you know, keep this offense for Arizona at bay. If Akers plays, and they say he's not going to be limited, I know it's a long shot, but he has not ruled out yet. And McVay said he's making great progress. If that's the case, I will have a lot of him, and I will take that risk. Sometimes you got to do that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Rams' offense this week? I think that's a great call. And, you know, John Walford, and without Cooper Cup, has a lot stacked against him here. So in large field tournaments, if you want to play this game as going awry for the Cardinals, I don't think that's the worst idea. I certainly don't think that's the highest probability of how this game plays out. Walford also has some agility in the pocket. He's in the 61st percentile among quarterbacks in spark score. So we might see him rush a little bit. But like you said, there's nobody left at the running back position except for Cam Akers here if he's able to play. So I I will definitely have him at 6,300. I don't know if I'm going to be as prioritized on him as it sounds you are. We're still dealing with a team in the Cardinals who are actually allowing below opponent averages in fantasy points scored on the defensive side of the ball. But we have a team in the the Rams that are high pace. And they're sixth in the league in adjusted pace on the Osmo Advanced Stats page. And we have a consolidation of offense. We know if Akers plays, it's really Akers, Woods, and nobody else. So in that case, I'm fine there. And it is a must-win game for them as well, depleted as they are. Yep. Orton's neck beard. Thank you for the super chat. He says, bummed if I can't go all in on Strevler. He's from near me. And if you have a chance to check out his wiki pick, you should. Uh, you could see he's a must start. Matt, what did I tell you to look up? Is right that now? your burner? Did you just reply with your burner from <laughs> into the chat? Because that's I, I literally what myself. <laughs> uh, I told Matt right before the show started, I was like, you got to look up his, his Wikipedia picture because it's fantastic. And we both agreed that that makes him a must start, not a stay away. Some people, you know, Ben Rasa saw it and said, oh, God, I want nothing to do with that. We see that and say, that's a man's man, Matt. <laughs> We're going all in. I'm about <laughs> yeah. to lose all my money on him. All in <laughs> on a guy who's not starting. Thanks, though, buddy. Appreciate that. And, uh, yes, it's a gnarly picture. All right, man. 14 down, one to go. You ready to make this happen? Hey, we made great time. Absolutely. Let's do We're it. We're doing pretty well. Absolutely. Seattle, and we started six or seven minutes late. Oh, shoot. So hey, we're actually we doing go. good time. Seattle at San Francisco. What, I'm, I'm going to ask you straight up, Matt, after I give these odds. Seahawks favored by a touchdown. Six-point favorites. Uh, 46-point total. What the hell is up with the Seahawks offense? They're bad. They're not a good offense. They got bad fast. I, I don't know what else to say. Russell Wilson, I, I, I don't think he's injured. But he's inefficient. Like, what else can we say here? Do you know they had – I'm sorry, I have to say this because it's insane. They scored 30-plus points, right, in seven of their first eight games. They've scored 16, 28, 23, 12, 40. That's the Jets. 20 and 20 since then. 
that's enough of a sample size where I'm, I don't even care who they played. You don't have to tell me that's a, that's a long enough part of the you. season where we're saying this is an inefficient offense. And so, yes, Russell Wilson had this amazing beginning of the season, but he's now way outside the top 10 in all of the advanced metrics that I look at in the data deep dive. He's still eighth in expected fantasy points per game, but he's outside the top 20 in fantasy points scored above or below expectation over the last eight weeks. And he's in a bad matchup here. So I I don't really see a situation where I want to prioritize Russell Wilson. It's weird to see them, the Seahawks that is so low on the top stack probability tool, because in the beginning of the year, we were just playing Wilson and Metcalf, Wilson and Lockett, just figuring out ways to put them in our lineup. And yeah, I guess the ceiling is still there because we've seen it in 2020. But boy, the odds of that happening are just way lower. I want to say the odds of Russell Wilson being a top six quarterback, probably 15, 20%, one in five. It's crazy. I, I, oh, by the way, we had a question in, in chat. Someone said, I'm surprised Malcolm Brown wasn't mentioned. I think Cam Akers is a markedly better running back than, than, than Malcolm Brown. And I already think the matchup is difficult enough. I know Daryl Henderson is out. If Cam Akers is out, sure. Malcolm Brown is a speculative value play. I get it. I don't have an issue with it. But um, I would prefer a, a better running back in Cam Akers that is far more explosive. Malcolm Brown essentially breaks off nothing north of 10 yards you'll never see a big run from him cam Akers owns like all of the longest runs for the rams this season and if you've watched you've seen he's the only explosive back daryl henderson had one or two but i just don't think malcolm brown is that good matt so yeah if he is the only healthy back that's left in this spot then sure i have no issues with it but that's why i'd prefer cam Akers even at a more expensive price point assuming he plays yeah, you're really hoping for goal line carries. We've seen multiple games over the course of the last two or three seasons where Malcolm Brown doesn't do much but falls into the end zone. And yeah, sure, that could happen. Large field tournaments, no problem with it. But Cam Akers is the talent there. All right. Um, anything else for Seattle? Uh, I think Greg Olson's going to play. I think we're going to see Greg Olson. And, and there's always some viability as a playing a Seattle Seahawks dark throw tight end. But there's three of them at this point. That makes it really tough. And Hollister, Olsen, and Disley, um, that is completely speculative. Speculative. None of them really stand out from an expected fantasy point standpoint. We just know that if Russell Wilson does manage to pull it together and throws multiple scores here, like he theoretically could, never rule out the tight end position. Uh, when, when Russ is cooking, we often say he does not care who he's throwing to. That's less, so, less true this year but I don't mind playing a tight end in a dark throw situation. Let's close it out with San Francisco. C.G. Beathard getting the start again. I'll tell you what, I don't think it's really a significant downgrade from Nick Mullins at this point, so I'm not factoring in too much there. George Kittle, though, $6,000. While he may not have run a ton of routes last week, he was targeted on a ton of routes that he ran. So, you know, put that in context. He, he also ripped off 92 yards on four receptions. He's insane. His longest catch was only 27 yards, too. So put those pieces together. It's like every time he catches the ball, he's going for 20-plus. Um, you know, I, I just think at 6,000, he's too cheap against Seattle. Seattle's defense has looked better lately, but when you look at the teams they faced, the reason they're getting wins and the reason they're limiting points and getting uh, Ws with – low scoring totals on offenses because they're just not playing against good offenses. And 
I think this is not exactly a good offense, but George Kittle is a juggernaut at the tight end position, second best in the league. Uh, This is someone I like here. And I'll just put in one more guy, and I'll let you close this show out, Matt. Um, With Brandon I, you got with Debo Samuel out. I don't think Richie James is the craziest option if you're trying to get some really expensive players. Maybe you wanted a Derrick Henry, Devontae Adams lineup or Derrick Henry and, and, and Calvin Ridley or whoever, just some expensive players. Richie James has proven that a couple times this season, he does have that big game potential against Green Bay where everyone except or everyone was out. And now Kittle's back, sure. But he had nine for 13, 184 and a touchdown. That was in that blowout loss on Monday Night Football. He had four for 56 just a couple weeks ago against Dallas. He's basically minimum salary. I assume he's going to get worked in quite a bit more, especially if Kittle's still limited. Who's going to be their top guy? Uh, And then you have Jeff Wilson, who is actually a good running back. I've been trying to tell you guys that for a while. Hey, and anytime we have a situation where, whether it's due to injury or coaching decisions, an offense gets consolidated and it has sort of two players taken out of their primary group, limiting the amount of players left in that group, it gets a lot easier to guess where this offensive production is going to come from. So I completely see what you're seeing here, where we know where CJ Beathard's going to throw the ball. It's George Kittle and probably no one else, maybe the backfield in Jeff Wilson. So I see no reason to really deviate from that point. But if you are going to, Richie James is a great option. He had a 13-target game earlier in the season. Yes, I know that was due to basically the entire wide receiver and tight end core not being available. But it just shows you that target upside that's available to him. My favorite player amongst them, that group, is actually Jeff Wilson. I think he's a really, really solid play at the 32nd highest salary among running backs this week. He's you know, he's scoring at a top 20 rate right now in fantasy points per game. And the Seattle defense is nothing special against the run. They've been a team that we've been picking on against the run all year. The problem here is that the 49ers are a slow, methodical team. They're 30th in adjusted pace of play. So they're not going to run a ton of plays. But like I said, we have the gift here where we kind of know where that ball's going. I also think George Kittle's probably the top tight end play on the slate. So if you like Kittle over Wilson, no fault there. I think he's an awesome play as well. So do you see yourself having – who do you who do you think you're going to have for San Francisco this week? I don't see how I couldn't be at least with the field. I see Kittle's 10.5% projected ownership, at least in my, in my notes here, may have changed a little bit here. I'll probably be with the field, if not a little bit over. But I really, really like Wilson here. I, like you said, I've seen an efficient running back who now has a majority of the backfield to himself in a Kyle Shanahan offense. I know it's a little bit narrative based, but this is one of the best running back, uh, running back efficiency gurus, if you will, in the league. And we know where the ball's going. So I'll take my chances there against the bad Seattle defense. Beautiful. Watch out, fellas. Richie James game coming. 91% <laughs> of snaps last week. 91%. Wow. And that was with Brandon Ayuk playing 93%. Kendrick Bourne playing 34 It's not that crazy. But this is actually a pretty interesting side of this game, and uh, I'm pretty, pretty intrigued by San Francisco this week. Guys, thanks so much for being with us for Week 17. It's a long show, and you guys you know, have hung out all the time. And I appreciate everybody in chat, everyone that comes in, hits that thumbs up and subscribes and, and and all of the super chats that you've given throughout this show, throughout the season. I know it's a very long show, but hopefully we've given you the information you needed to uh, have a great year. And hopefully you have a great new year, 2021 coming up 
very shortly. But first, you got the NBA Deeper Dive and Live Before Lock. We're going to usher you into the new year in a big way. Five-game slate tonight. Hopefully, you'll join us. It starts at 4.30 Eastern time. And the FanDuel Strategy Show with Matt Kajewski and Kyle Dvorak also coming up at 2 Eastern. One-stop shop right here. It's awesome.com. And remember, use that promo code 2021 for 21 days, only $20, everything on the site. Or use the promo code HAPPY. You'll get 20% off everything for the entire year. It's a massive deal. Suggest you check them out. And we'll see you back here soon. Good luck tonight. Or good luck on Sunday, guys. Happy New Year, y'all.